This episode of Undercommon Taste is sponsored by... In a world besieged by darkness, torn apart by hatred, where the cruel, the wicked, and the heartless rule over all, Romancing the Dungeon is an epic tale of four legendary heroes who unite in the name of love, unity, and friendship to bring light and hope back into the world. <coughs> Are you serious? Those four wouldn't know what love is even if it was tattooed on their asses. You got the wrong show if you think these four are love experts. I'm the only love expert you need, so we're doing this my way. If you desire romance, we got it. Ah, oh, there's my favorite person. Morning. How you doing, Angel? Great. Come here, and I, I, I sort of get in real close, and I, I like lips sort of purse, but I flutter my lips and give a little like. Mm. And if you love drama, we got that too. I need you to find and kill Eugenia Flatstone. I need her heart. Okay, well I, we haven't. I, I, I think it's been a while since we've done the heart thing. How am I supposed to get that to you? Because I don't think walking around with an old lady's heart is gonna go well for me personally if action is your passion well there's plenty of that as well for my bonus action i'm gonna use blessing of the raven queen to go behind the other guy okay and basically come up behind him with a dagger to his neck to get him to stop god damn what the fuck happened to you in the woods <laughs> join thane fia nate and hephaesta as they put their hearts and my reputation on the line in a race to rescue an eccentric bride from the clutches of evil, battle against the insatiable forces of darkness, and try not to die along the way, I suppose. I start taking my clothes off. Okay. And I take a blanket from the bed, and I wrap it around me, and I start following the the, the steps, and I go, I'm a greasy little peanut. <laughs> I'm a greasy little peanut. I'm a greasy little peanut. Oh, for the love of... I don't even know why I bother. Romancing the Dungeon, a softcore D&D podcast about four heroes on a quest for true love and discovering what that really means for them. Available wherever good podcasts are found. Good podcasts? Well, that's blatant false advertising. Welcome to Undercommon Taste. This is a podcast where we create and discuss homebrew content for tabletop RPGs. This week we ask Tabletop Gaming, what's love got to do with it? And no, I'm not singing it. <laughs> Mostly for copyright. Yeah, and, and I mean, your ears. <laughs> I'm Ian Woodworth. I'm joined by my co-host James Daly. And today we have special guest Declan, the DM from the Romancing the Dungeon podcast to talk about romance in your TTRPGs. Declan, welcome to Undercommon Taste. Yes, welcome. Thanks so much for having me. I'm super, super excited. I, I love, one, I love talking about TTRPGs, and two, I'm a total romantic. Uh, a tragic romantic, actually, is the way I like to look at it. So, yeah, super, super stoked to talk a little bit more about uh, bringing a little bit of love into your uh, stories. Excellent. Yeah, this is, I'm really looking forward to this episode. This is going to be a lot of fun. So can we 
let's let's go ahead and start off. Uh, talk a little bit about yourself. Uh, who are you? What do you do? Sure. Um, I, um, in case the, actually, so lots of people tell me I don't have a strong Irish accent, but uh, I'm, I'm from Ireland and I am, or rather I have been playing tabletop role-playing games now for about 18 years uh, across loads of different systems. So I actually started with GURPS uh, before I even knew uh, about anything else. And then I moved into kind of everything in between uh, <laughs> world of darkness uh pathfinder and then eventually found my way into dnd 5e um i am i'm a i'm the i don't like saying forever dm because i think that has like kind of a negative connotation i'm the eternal dm uh i because I, I i much i well, i enjoy playing i enjoy having a laugh with other dms and stuff like that but i i love uh I love creating campaigns and I love telling stories um, and bringing people into that fold uh, and helping you tell those stories. So yeah, I'm the DM for Romance and Dungeon, as you've said, and uh, another Irish stream called Rise of the Forsaken. They're under our little uh, production studio, uh, D8 Dungeon. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm working on two more streams. So we'll see oh, where, awesome. where where all those go. Yeah, like again, eternal DM, const- constantly running games. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know, I know as much as Ian goes through. I mean, that's it's a bit on my end sometimes, and that's like twice as, as much, if not more, on Ian's for one stream. So I'm doing like four streams at once. That that's some impressive juggling. Well done. Uh, <laughs> I hate myself, James. That's what it is. <laughs> oh, okay. So, so it's a form of masochism. Okay. I mean, yeah. are, are we going to get into that with, with today's topic too, I guess? We, could, we can drag some of that in. <laughs> it's the after dark stuff. Yes, it's the after dark stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Fear and loathing and uh, the forgotten realms. <laughs> that should be on a t-shirt. <laughs> yes. That would be the Underdark exactly there. <laughs> we can't stop here. This is bad country. <laughs> Giant bad country. Oh, my. Uh, so, Declan, why should we incorporate romance in our TTRPGs? Um, I, I, that, that, that question has kind of two answers. Uh, the first is you shouldn't uh, unless your players want to. Uh, and... Uh, that's something that you've all kind of discussed. And I know we're going to talk a little bit about that right. a little bit later on. But um, I suppose my my main part of that is uh, the, re- the kind of one of the reasons I wanted to explore romance. Um, you know, that that trope, uh, you know, roll to seduce the dragon, roll to seduce, just roll to seduce something, anything. Yeah. Um, I always, you know, you'd see that come up on, on memes and on Twitter and basically everywhere. Uh, and... I was like, what if, like, what if this was a thing that we actually took a bit more seriously, um, and not just the oh, we've to slip by the guards. Let me, uh, you know, let me cock an eyebrow and uh, flex a little. I, I really wanted to explore what that dimension would bring to uh, an adventure, uh, where characters are either romantically interested in each other or NPCs, um, and. For me, it, it's it, it's purely about navigating um, story, and that's the story that I am running as the dungeon master. But the stories that my players then create out of that, uh, and the the romantic element to it has been an absolute blast. Uh, like we we've we're 
I can't say we're halfway through season two because we're not, uh, but uh, we're 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 in into the middle of our second season. Um, and uh, season one was just an absolute um, wild ride. And I got, like I said, I've, I've been I've been DMing since I was eighteen, um, and I've yet to really kind of encounter uh, this kind of dynamic where players are. In, in our instance, we have a couple uh, in the in the party. Well, uh, rather an ex couple, and they dated. There was uh, <clears throat> maybe one party interested in making it much more serious, much more official, and the bard was having absolutely none of it. Uh, and he jilted our warlock. Um, That's always a bad idea. Yeah, never jilt the warlock. <laughs> well, the said warlock's patron gave her, uh, gave her a dagger and a task shank him and i'll give you more power <laughs> uh so it, it we've had and we had that running the whole way through the the, the first season this this will she or won't she and you know it, it was it was our ross and rachel like it was like will she stab him <laughs> won't she stab him um and uh, you know if you tune into the first season you'll find out whether she does or she doesn't but it's for me it's just that element of bring it just brings another dimension to the storytelling that's really i wasn't a huge follower of fans like my family would watch it when it was on in the 90s and i will have to say if anyone in the universe deserves to be shanked it would be ross he's <laughs> <laughs> very annoying he's very annoying <laughs> yeah i actually just finished season one a couple days ago so i've gotten through season one and i've gotten through the first one shot the couple's retreat um yeah yeah the the the, <laughs> the one shots are like I, I don't know like the we came we went we went straight into uh couples retreat having just finished recording um uh, season uh season one and that was just it was one of those weird moments as a dm where you're like i'm very tired but i've committed to this and i, I was really really looking forward to um uh, uh, playing with John from 5e Trash uh, and Nate from Dyson Desire. And uh, yeah, that was just, that was, because yeah, again, there it wasn't really, ro- well, there wasn't a lot of romance in, in Couples Retreat. It's the titles, you know, a funny, funny, <laughs> stupid play on words. <laughs> gotcha. Right. Now, you did bring up talking back, going back, you know, with the whole roles to seduce. And I mean, that is, has been the old D&D camp for since forever. Um, and that's one thing that I'm really happy that has changed with 5e, particularly with the bards, is the bards have become so much more useful because back in 2nd and 3rd edition, and again, I have no clue about 4th because we skipped it because <laughs> it's 4th edition, but 2nd and 3rd edition, bards could try to roll for Desus, they could roll for Deception, they could play an instrument for, for bardic inspiration, and that's about the three things they could do, and that was it. And they were pretty terrible. <laughs> uh, our bard likes to roll to Shitster as well. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Majorly, like, yeah, he's... Oh my god, a yeah. chaos bard. Oh, uh, to be fair, I think oh, it's just... I think the, yeah, the character is just... Uh, and, and then the player is also just quite a chaotic individual as well. I love um, it. So, yeah. Uh, oh. How yeah. did that not come up in our Bardic episode? Just a, a bard that so, solely stirs chaos. That'd be amazing. <laughs> because oh, that's I am totally bards, inspired. Jane. <laughs> Just in general, yeah, it's there. <laughs> there Ch- chaos, chaos is part of the bard package, the default factory <laughs> default package. Well, I, I, I don't know. I think, particularly, a stop. Per, uh, 
a stop purring, a pot stirring bard. I don't know that that <laughs> needs to be this needs to be revisited. But we're going to stick a pin on this one. <laughs> All right. So so we did talk. You did mention um, making sure that your your party is okay with ro- the themes of romance before you start engaging in themes of romance in your game. So what sort of advice would you give for someone who was looking to start incorporating some romantic elements in their game? What sort of safety tools would you implement? What sort of conversations would you have with your players? So I I think, I think these days, uh, most tables, most, uh, most games do start with a session zero. And, you know, you, you've gotten the, you, like, I, I love, I'm, I'm, I'm a sucker for a prologue as a DM. I love to write <laughs> the prologue for the adventure and just give it to the players. And, uh, and I'm in the middle of writing one uh, at the moment as well for one of those other streams. And I always, you know, I will put in maybe a note about the setting and style and tone of the game. And obviously I, I don't like to be rigid about that. So, you know, for, 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 a piece to work there needs to be it needs to have a little bit of room to kind of move back and forth but at that first session zero it is a conversation this is you know we talk about things that will not be on the table we'll talk about certain you know we won't the game won't include violence towards children the game won't include uh, sexual assault and stuff like that but there are other things beyond that that not every player is going to be comfortable with. Um, and, and romance is one of those things that they, people don't like their characters uh, to be put into those situations. They don't want to be, uh, they, they don't want that, that kind of focus put on them. And we, at the very, very start, we kind of set out with this. I, I wanted Romancing the Dungeon to be kind of like a rom-com. Where and we 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 say we're we're like the hallmark of you know D and D five E games <laughs> uh, because while yes romance and love uh, and relationships is a big part of what we're doing we don't feature any sexual content uh, you know we we do uh, things get implied uh, and we do have cutaways to you know the fireplace uh, and and all those little kind of things you'd see in a, in a PG thirteen but. If, as a DM, you are interested in uh, in bringing romance into your stories, it starts with conversation with your players and who is and isn't. Because let's uh, the other thing I suppose. Look, let's just let's just be honest. Nobody wants to flirt with this. Like you know what I mean. Like I, I, I know you're not flirting with me. You're flirting with the NPC, but it's me. You're you're making eye contact with me. And if we're in character, great. And if, if your players are able to maintain that, great. There's an there's one there's an awkwardness that comes with it. Like not everybody's comfortable flirting. Not everybody's, and that can be serious flirting. That can be funny flirting. Not everybody's going to be comfortable with it. Secondly, it's a whole other dimension to a character that maybe you didn't see that way. You you just didn't see that as a thing that oh I I didn't realize that you know we'd be we'd be on Tinder in the tavern just flicking through it or casually. <laughs> I just like. It, have that conversation and if you're the player and you want to bring this into the game and you're like you want to talk about maybe having a romantic possibility with uh your character npc or another pc it's a conversation and if that conversation is one-sided and someone says to you look it's just this isn't the game this isn't the table this isn't the character then you accept that um and if you really want to continue looking at it and pursuing it well then you will find a table where that is 
that is appropriate, that is what they're going for. Um, and I think there's a nice kind of balance to be found with every kind of topic and theme that you as the DM want to incorporate into your into your world and, and, and finding it. And I have players um, who are more comfortable with certain things. And um, one of our one of our characters, Fia, uh, played by Louise, um, is I mean we've we've always kind of hinted that she's there's a little uh, uh, fatal attraction about her. Uh, it's it, you know we've never really gotten into it, but she has a, a a very romanticized idea of what romance is, and we've always kind of she's been kind of seen as the innocent character. Um, and I've we haven't really done a whole lot of flirting back and forth uh, as PC and NPC. Um, and we will be having those conversations because our character is developing and we are looking at where that might go. But it's always about having a conversation. It's, a, it's almost like a consensus thing. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's, it's a That's word great. for a reason. <laughs> yeah. I, I love Session Zeroes exactly for that reason, kind of get things hashed out. Um, you're talking about your character with the fatal attraction. This would definitely be something that I would not have half of the tools to need. But it would be interesting to have a, a romantic party like that where each of the players has the different view of romance. So you said you have one that has the fatal attraction. Maybe one is in the in love with the concept of being in love. Mm. You know, you could work with with the actual, like, the, the, the kind of the white knight that just kind of wants to go. You could have, like, a codependent type thing and see how they would all interact together, I think would be an interesting kind of scenario to run. Yeah, we, we've seen that coming out uh, with, the, with the characters. Um, and like everything from the fact that, you know, Nathaniel and Hephaestus, the, the bard and the warlock who split up and it was not amicable from episode one, like one of the, one of the highlights for me, because we, we edit the show to be like a radio drama rather than an actual play podcast. But one of the highlights for me and for Lee Louise, who also edits is hearing the little under the breath jibes that Amber makes as a festa about Nate when he's doing anything. Um, and just that, like how quickly we can get into these characters and what it's like to be that person who got ghosted and is now forced into a party because some oh. old goddess is like, hey, I'm alive and I'm going to curse the four of you because ah, I'm just back in the world and I'm going to see what happens. Oh um, it's, yeah, we've we've seen huge amounts of things. And then, with Fia being so in love with this idea of what love might be and maybe taking it a little too close to Glenn Close's character, uh, occasionally we've we've seen her try to fix things in the party because she just wants everybody to get along, even if they're not going to be couples, but they she wants them to get along. The other thing, and you know, we were saying session zeros is your game doesn't session zero doesn't stop at that first meeting, at that first group chat right. it's important i think to have like a fairly continuing conversations and maybe it's on an off week three months into the campaign hey these things have happened with your characters these things have happened with the story everybody cool is everybody okay does anything need to change um how are you finding it is it working for you do you want me to go more in this direction do you want me to pull back a little bit and i Again, that session zero isn't just a, well, we had a conversation eight, eight months ago. Things change for people in real life and things change for your players and you as the DM. And I think session zero is an ongoing session. Right. No, I, I can totally agree with that. Yeah, that's, that's just good advice to have. Okay, so 
let's let's say that you have started into this whole romantic bent on your story. You've had your session zero. You've talked it over with everybody. How do you know if you have overdone it? Um, because, you know, not everybody is going to be comfortable with coming up and saying, hey, I'm not comfortable with this. So how how do you know with just by reading, you know, how, how do you know if you've sort of overdone it a little bit? Um, and I can honestly put my hand up and say I I have done. Uh, there has been things that, as a player I've gone or as the DM I've gone, uh oh, and and knowing and it's not it's not always overstepping the mark because with something like romance, um, it is going to get emotional. Like there is going to be emotion put into this, and that's something that we on 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 romancing the dungeon. Obviously, we are we are we are aiming for, um, but that has a toll uh that that's a huge toll like it's already you know we talk about you know this is a hobby uh, and and you know we we sit down and we're rolling dice and we're playing things and we're engaging with combat or whatever it might be and three or four hours go by and the energy that goes into staying in that headspace for three or four hours you know we might have a half an hour break for a bite to eat or whatever that, but it's it's a drain on you and that drain can be quite uh mental and emotional so I have, uh, in the middle of a story, been really swept up into it and kind of going, oh, God, we're getting, this is going somewhere really good. Like, this is, and only afterwards gone back and went, I didn't actually, I didn't actually check with the player if that was okay. Oh. I did, because, because there's there's a comfort level that comes with, you know, playing together for nearly two years that you're right. like, God, we we know each other, and you know we trust each other, and so on and so forth. And I suppose from 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 the serious point of view, it's a case of read the room, like you know, yeah. read read the room, uh, right? And it, like that that can be very difficult in the moment. And I'm not making an excuse for myself. I should have read the room. I should have stopped to take a breath and just said, "Hang on a second, this is going very heavy, and you are tormenting this character. Is the player okay?" And then, and then, if not, stop. If yes, keep going and, and see where we're at with it. Um, so, my first piece of advice is just, just, you know, you'll get a sense of the room if you stop and take a breath for a second as the DM. You'll get a sense of your room. Secondly, and this is probably where you know, if you're taking romance and it's kind of going more for the comedic side of things, if it just stops being funny, like if it just stops being fun. Um, if people are sitting there going, really, like it's another horny little kobold, or it's oh, really, you know, it's another seductress swanning in, you know, with the scroll and the epic quest. Like you can, you know, we we, we talk about kind of ham fisting these things into our games because oh, you know, it's the big thing at the moment and everybody's doing it and away we go with it. Um, but it's just it's a case of I think. Uh, you know, we all, like a DM will always assess. Uh, like our, I think most of us tend to assess anyway after a session. We tend to look back at it and go, "Did that work? Was I happy with that? Were the players happy with it?" Um, and you might ask. You know, you might ask the players. Um, and I think one thing that uh, I suppose, and speaking to that situation with that player and that character, um, that player came to me afterwards and said, "Hey, 
you should have asked. You should have said something. Um, I didn't realize it was going to be that heavy. And I was like, crap. Oops. Yeah, you bring up a really good point. And that's something that's not discussed a whole lot as people talk about, you know, what's the D you, you always see what are DM tips, especially for new DMs and that taking a step to step back and read the room. Um, and depending on what you do or where you're at, just in your personal life, uh, that might be a skill that needs to be developed personally as well, you know, as well as just on the table. So that is a huge, huge piece of advice is learn, learn to read the room, learn to read your characters, look for your their body languages, their tone of voice, things like that. Um, I'm going to ask Ian here because I can never remember the gentleman's name, but you were talking about where you can raise your hand and say that goes too far. Who was the DM that has the basically the the card or the safe button? So if a topic gets too too weird or too uncomfortable, you, you can just reach out and touch the card, and scene ends, and we we take it stop, take a break. Um, who was that? Do you remember? I off think the top of your head? I think that interview was it was on Dragon Talk. I think that interview was with Mike Merles. Okay, but that having something like that at your table, where the person doesn't have to make a big scene if they don't want to, they can just make a subtle gesture or a subtle movement, and that can be a clue to the DM or the rest of the players that they need to to pull back a few steps. In that way, everybody can stay comfortable as well. And and in in case anyone is not familiar with what James is referencing uh, in this interview, Mike Merles was talking specifically about running games at cons, but whenever he runs a game, there's, there's this little red card that's in the middle of the table. And if anyone at any point gets uncomfortable with the way the game is going, they just reach out and touch the card. And that's his sign that, okay, we're done here. We're moving on. So that, that, that is the, the tool that he uses. Yeah, it, it can even be like if if your game is online, just watching for a player just to put up just like just a kind of a the hand up or if you see someone lean into it, it's or pull away. Set those things up yourself. Like, you know, if you were if you're running a stream like or if your game, even if it's not a stream, if it's not for Twitch or YouTube or anything like that and you're you're playing over Discord or Zoom or whatever or Rule 20, set up something like that where if a player, you know, puts their hand over the camera, it that's the sign that they're done. Uh, that they they need they want this scene to fade to black. They want to go to something else. They want it to divert. It's like they're it's those little things are going to what keeps your players feeling safe and comfortable uh, in the story. And 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 that trust that comes with those players then only leads to a much much better game. Oh, absolutely. That yeah. that is a huge point. And as Ian and I have said many many times, it's a game. It's supposed to be fun. And when it stops being fun, it's no longer a game to play. Yeah, right. very much agreed. And and nobody wants to play with anybody who is going to make them uncomfortable. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I had to remove someone from my home group for that reason. Ouch. And, and <laughs> yeah, that was, that was interesting. Uh, Especially little old non-confrontational me having to uh, <laughs> say, hey, uh, you're being a dick and you're not welcome here anymore. Yeah, that's, a, that's a really hard DM call to make. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes yeah. that is that is the role of DM. I mean, DMing is hard. And if you're a yeah. storyteller, it's wonderful. But you are you are the storyteller, but you are also the protector of your party in a lot of ways. 
Um, you mean, even if you're a confrontational DM where you want to kill the party, you know, the player characters, you are still watching out for your players. Um, always, 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 always watch out for your players because that's what's going to keep them coming back to the table. Okay. So now that we've, now that we've established some of the base, base rules, base guidelines on how to be a considerate DM in a romantic game. How do you keep the romance from devolving into a trope? I thought, I thought you were going to get, how do you keep the romance alive? <laughs> yes. That, that's a whole different, I mean, there, 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 are, there are schools and books about that one. <laughs> it starts with a box of chocolates, a dozen red roses, and a very white CD. Speaking of tropes. <laughs> I'll take the chocolates. Keep the roses in the very white CD. I'll take the chocolates, though. Um, how, do you, how do you stop it from being a trope? Um, if you if you if you want to use tropes, if you want to if you want to use that, and that's the kind of game you're running, do that. Like you know, let you know, let that let that work. Sorry, Beecho's very close to the mic now as well. <laughs> no, that's awesome. um, I love the cat. He, so. <laughs> he has a lot of things to share. Um, but if that's what, if that's what you want to do, do it. Just make sure everybody aware is aware that you know this, we're just not going to take this as seriously. If you were taking romance uh, as a uh, as a kind of a cornerstone to your story. Um, <laughs> I always like to think of my NPCs as real people. And, you know, uh, one of the characters that we meet in season one uh, is probably one of my, one of my favorite, I suppose, I can't say supporting because she's just there to mess things up, but uh, is a, is a tiefling warlock by the name of Dahlia Wolfram. And Dahlia is an ex of our other warlock, the, the warlock Hephaesta. And I, when, I, when I was thinking about introducing her as an ex to the warlock who's really mad at her ex who's in the party, I was like, what's, what's Dahlia's purpose going to be here? Is this going to be like a, are we just going to do like a, a love triangle where, you know, they all kind of end up kind of falling for Nate or what's the story with this? And I was like, no, hang on a second. You have been Dahlia. You have been that guy who went out with the other guy who was very upset at his actual ex-boyfriend and started dating you to get at him and dumped you then the second, you know, there was a glimmer of hope of that old relationship turning. And I was like, how did you feel when that happened to you? And I was like, ah, I'm going to bring that into, uh, I'm going to bring that into my story because that, that was a very real feeling of like being embarrassed and being angry and being hurt. Um, And I, I really wanted to bring a little bit of life to my NPCs. There's, if, even if it's just the the barkeeper, there there's something about them that uh, kind of has them going. And we had in season one, we had Giles and Ariel, his wife. Um, although everyone thinks it's my Borat impersonation, <laughs> uh, but it wasn't. It was me desperately trying to do a French accent. Um, <laughs> Jean but, is French. <laughs> yeah, he has both. Like, that was. I was like, yeah. I, I was like, okay, that's. And I did French for a couple of years. It does not translate into being able to do the accent. Um, but I, I, I just, uh, I would suggest if you're bringing this in, and you, you you're not going to bring romance in just. Uh, willy-nilly like it's something you have to really consider as part of your campaign Um, if you are doing that my best advice if you want to keep the the romance thing going through it is think of the npcs think of the player characters as living things and relationships are incredibly complicated 
Oh, like, absolutely. Anybody who tells you, oh, sure, it's grand. You know, you meet, you fall in love. There's a box of chocolates. There's some roses and a very white CD either has, you know, has, has had way better luck than I've had. Uh, <laughs> or, <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's, it's that thing of th- these things are complicated. Um, you know, these things are very, very complicated. So your, your NPCs and the story that they get wrapped in and romance is a wonderful way of weaving complication into your story. Um, and like one of our other cast members who hasn't, uh, wasn't able to return for season two, but, uh, Thane, uh, we had this ongoing, uh, he was having these nightmares or these dreams and there was a woman in his visions. And at the very end of season one, we learn who that woman actually is, uh, and what that meant for him as a character. Um, so I would, I would say just see, see the story for the value it's going to bring. Um, and not just as some sort of, oh, look, we'll tag it on and we'll see what happens with it. Invest inv- In the same way you're investing in that necromancer who's trying to resurrect, you know, a- a- an old one or something from beyond the depths. And you're putting all your heart and soul into that story. Do the same thing with romance and see, just see how your players react to it and what sort of dimension it's going to bring to the story that you are telling I'm just saying, if we have our listeners like sit there and actually stop and think about romance, that's going to be. I mean, <laughs> that. I mean, a lot of romances fail because people don't take that moment to stop and think about romance. So, I mean, maybe maybe that's a giant step in, in an off-table direction as well as, hey, you know what? Just just give it some thought. You know, that's <laughs> one of those things. Um, no, again, great advice, very solid advice. I I love, you know. I love characters that take their own lives, especially in literature was always one of my favorite things. You know, you have authors where you can just see the characters grew on their own and, and so much more at the table, on the table. I mean, er- everyone starts off with an idea and maybe or maybe not a little mini. And then the characters really can become their own, their own entities over time, which is wonderful to see. And so allowing them to do that again is wonderful, wonderful advice. All right, so one of the one of the uniting features of all of your characters, at least in season one, I haven't I haven't gotten to season two yet, but in season one is that they all, to some degree, have an unhealthy aspect to either a current or a past relationship. Um, uh, specifically, Fia's character. The character of Fia, <laughs> I, I, I have to admit that one that one hit a little raw. Um, <laughs> but there, there are there are some some characters have. I don't want to say unhealthier, because yes. because I mean an unhealthy relationship is an unhealthy relationship. That's you don't really want to start nitpicking degrees, <laughs> but. How how do you how do you address aspects of that in a game? We, I suppose, um, and I, 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 God, if she's watching and I confess to this, Fia <laughs> is what actually one of my favorite characters. Um, and uh, you have I, plot armor. Oh wait. <laughs> <laughs> no, she doesn't. <laughs> um, no, I. Louise brings such uh, such a huge amount of depth to to Fia, and I actually remember when we first started talking about uh, 
her character uh, at the very, very beginning when we were just planning this whole thing out. That fear and the fear we have at the table, entirely different. And we we started looking at this this idea of this young woman who uh, hasn't, I mean, she's had some experience with relationships, but this idea of maybe maybe adding more to what the relationship actually was or telling herself because again we you know exploring her background and her 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 personal history and her personal relationships we can see somebody who isn't just looking for love but has never really known it um and all she knows of it is what she reads in stories whether it was a story she read as a child or the story she reads now as a young woman, or the story she writes in her fan fiction. Um, she has a very, she's a, we, we used to say she had rose tinted glasses on when it comes to um, relationships and just how these things work. And her seeing, you know, Nathaniel and Hephaestus just rip each other to pieces when they're desperately trying to get out of the clutches of a night hag. You know, <laughs> they're, I, I think, this is because we always kind of talked about, you know, she's she's technically the oldest in the group, but she's probably the most innocent. She's probably the most naive out of the, the four characters in season one. So she's and, a romantic Don Quixote. Yeah, she yeah, <laughs> she, she's there. She's 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 very precious. Um, we so Louise and I, um, we, we've actually known each other a very, very long time. Um, we've known each other since we we were in college together and I guess there's a there is a there is a really innate trust between us in terms of the stories that we have been part of together uh, usually and, I, and actually if she is listening she's never DM'd uh, so if she <laughs> want to get that book out and start you know plotting some things but you know we've we've told a lot of stories together so I trust her as a player and she trusts me as a, as a DM. And obviously, you know, you can't really talk about Fia's character in season one without mentioning her awful, awful trash brother, um, who's a piece of trash. He's actually the worst NPC I've ever had to play. <laughs> um, and we spoke directly after that session. Uh, we talked about it because he's a gaslighting piece of garbage. Um, and we were both quite upset directly after because it was quite intense stuff between Fia and Quillo. And just, we started to see something about her backstory that maybe people listening didn't quite know or just kind of, oh, she's a bit ditzy. She's a bit, she's a bit that. And it's actually, it's not. It's, you can kind of start to see that these might be coping mechanisms for her. Oh. Um, and this is kind of where I like to think our show grew up. Um, because it started off as this idea as we wanted to do a romantic comedy. And actually what happened when we dug into it and as a, as a, as a group of friends, we realized that, hang on a second, one, we really love telling stories. We love playing TTRPGs and we love telling stories and we love playing together. And we kind of quickly realized that this was becoming something more than just a rom-com, that this was actually something that had, and pardon the pun, a bit of heart to it and romance is very much at the heart of the show but we started to kind of look at well our individual perceptions of what romance is, is shaped by so many things and we've now kind of started moving into this area of other relationships and how that kind of can reinforce 
both positive and negative perceptions of what a healthy relationship actually might be. And even down to the party. So even down to these four people that are linked together because, you know, they met in a tavern and we met in a tavern. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, how does that change? How do the people that come into your life change you uh, for the good or for the better? Um, And that's been for for us, uh, that's been something that we've we've kind of found our feet with, with the story and with the direction that the show is going in. And we've, yeah, we like, and I, I don't think anybody would have a problem me saying this. We have all cried, uh, like at the table, we've all cried. And, uh, you know, because someone has said something really, really just like that, that when you're sitting there going, Oh God, that, that reminded me of a thing that happened. Uh, like, like, uh, I just okay. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna duck under the table for a second and have a quiet cry, and then I'm gonna come back up, and there's gonna be a monster, and we're just gonna deal with it. Um, but no, I, I guess uh, like I'm, I'm kind of talking myself around in circles with it. But I guess really, it's just again, we want to be you want to be mindful uh, of those little things, um, and this is this is that dimension that I kind of I you know I, I spoke of a little while ago about where it kind of goes and with uh with those things it can be it can be kind of hard sometimes like i i personally did not like how easy it was for me to get into the mindset of a character like quillo and that's what we talked about i i I was like i was kind of a little bit like is that a part of me that i need to recognize is that a part of me um what is that and 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 like uh, you know like you were saying, Ian, I, when you see yourself in these situations and these, these things, it can be a little bit like, oh, crap. Uh, <laughs> my feelings, they're yeah. real. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Let's just fight a dragon. It'll be easier. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that is a, uh, an interesting concept that, that, you know, sometimes the monster at the table, you, you don't get to roll dice against, you know? Um, if you've got feelings or you've got, like I said, uh, this, this awkward romance or, or something that you don't know how to deal with. And it's, it's affecting all the party members in one way or the other. Um, much like real life, a lot of your, your enemies, or your monsters, you don't get to go up and take a swing against. You've got to figure out how to resolve it, how to settle it. So that's, yeah, no, that, that rings very true. Right. And uh, the, the, the reason why Fia's story, her backstory really resonated is because I have I have been watching other friends of mine in the past in similar relationships and I'm seeing the parallels between those relationships that mm. they have all they have fortunately all gotten out of. But so just just seeing just seeing that play out again and 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 just having having to listen to it, having to watch it unfold and not being able to reach in there and fiddle with it and like yeah no i want to no, sit down fix it. now <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i um it it's it, it's really funny but uh about two months after so we we started recording i think in november uh october november of 2019 um and two months before we started recording i ended a 10-year relationship i i oh. I, I i left and we were to be married the following June and I, I had to walk away from it. It just, 
it was it was a very very unhealthy relationship um and then i decided oh i'll just make a podcast about romance and play D&D <laughs> and, and that's how i got it and i yeah i you know there has been things that have come up um and that are kind of in it that i'm like you know this kind of was a little bit of an outlet for me uh, i suppose as a writer and a creator to kind of maybe put some of my own feelings into it um but i guess yeah and i i think that's because we understand that our show is not for everybody um i think a lot of people see the title and go why um and that's totally okay like i i I don't mind that like i i I, i'm not here to have an audience of 10 million people yeah that would be lovely um i'm here to play D&D 5e I'm here to tell a story with my friends and I'm here to have fun and if people want to listen to that and people want to share in that and have the and the best the best stuff we've had so far is just people saying uh I was listening to you on my commute into work and I'm on a bus and I'm crying god damn it it's the start of the day like why <laughs> you know and and then going me kind of oh god I'm so sorry why did you listen to it first thing in the morning and they're like no it was really good because now I'm all pumped <laughs> what uh yeah like it, it's been really nice because this is common you know these things are common uh to you it can kind of feel very you know that you're on your own and that you you know god no one knows how this feels but like I said these things are complicated and it's it's all part of being human um and it's not easy so make a D podcast about it and see if you can find out the answers it's it's cheaper than paying for a therapist right yeah well that's well, I mean, yeah they depending on yeah. how many books you have to buy <laughs> yeah. you got the books you got the maps yeah. and the dice and then you want the cool dm screen and then you've got to get the really good gaming table because your dice keep falling off the rate. I mean, Stop. It, I, like, it, it I, might I be a desperately push. want a gaming table. I'm like, I must get a gaming table. I need one. I need one. It's for work now. Yeah, exactly. It's a business expense, right? <laughs> I can write it off. <laughs> All right. So we're, we're, we're starting to run a little bit long. So I'm going to try and I'm going to try and wrap these last two questions together. Um, so many of us play characters who have different uh who who are substantially different from us you know characters have different gender identities characters have different you know sexual identities characters that obviously characters that are of a different race than us um how would you what advice would you give for someone who is wanting to say explore a relationship that it that would be substantially different than one that they would pursue in their actual life yeah i like i when i first started into ttrpgs i used to either uh i used to always play either female characters uh or i would play queer characters um and i still actually have a preference for playing queer male characters um and i've i guess it, it, you know we we can we can look at that and kind of go well why why do you want to do that what's that going to bring to the table for you we can ask all these questions and as a i suppose as a as a queer person and as a queer dm maybe that player is trying to figure something out that's maybe that person has a little 
there's a there's something in the back of their mind that they're sitting there and they're just thinking i don't i don't know um like i i, I trust my friends i trust uh, the gm and i think this is something that i might want to work through or bring i i'm curious about it and for me i guess it comes to it comes down to again it's all it's always about having a conversation and if you if you are if you are straight and you were thinking about playing a, a a gay male character or a gay female character whatever it might be or a bi character have have a little bit of respect for those experiences that's that's really what it is you know we're not you know we're not a we're not a it's we're not a joke we're we're real lives um and that's that would be my that would be my first that would be my first sort of little piece if you're the player sitting there going i do think i might want to try playing a, a queer character and, and seeing where that might go and maybe going down a romantic uh, line of it as a as a dm i suppose you need to you, you need to talk you need to talk with that player and i suppose and not question or interrogate because again they've, they've come to you with something you have to you have to try and find a balance now that works for you um and i i actually um so again i've I have never had a relationship with a woman um, and uh, I've had to sit there as a DM um, and role play women being flirted with um, and, and, and vice versa uh, and, and, you know, try to engage these things. And really, I, I, I suppose it comes back to that. We always, we always kind of say, what is love? Uh, you know, that's, it's, it's it's not it's universal so whether it's whether it's queer love or straight love it's just love and and like that's the that's the way i kind of look at it um and if that player wants to play uh, a queer character and you trust them that they're not going to be sitting there just kind of you know throwing out every stereotype that they know from the book um and 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 you're happy and the table are happy and away you go with it away you go with it that's that's what I'd kind of, that's what I'd be kind of saying is that it has to be, it has to be about respect, plain and simple. I, I like that. So, I mean, a lot of things we've discussed with just through this podcast is talking about, you know, trying to fill that person's shoes. And I think, I think the evolution of the maturity of a, of a player at the table versus the person themselves or including the person themselves is everyone starts off wanting to be their idealized self and then eventually they they start playing characters that are maybe a little more true to their actual self and then some characters not all but a lot of them at some point start well let's start looking at something from another person's point of view and i think these are ways to do all of those you know at any given point in that evolution or that that those stages of growth um so you know it would be kind of shocking to say, I'm going to play this type of character that that's absolutely not me and try to understand that person's perspective from a perspective that's not necessarily the one I live every day. So I think that can be a very healthy thing to do. I think it can be a very enlightening thing to do. But as you said, they're all real people. There needs to be a large, heavy dose of respect in all of it. So from the DM understanding what the player's doing, from the player understanding the role that they may be trying to play. I think that's all really sound advice. Yeah. And, and, you know, being, being a, 
a fantasy writer and and working in publishing a little bit um in in addition to the podcast whenever i'm going out and creating a character usually i'm i'm sitting there going okay i need a character like this in my upcoming story and i need to get into the mindset of how this character is going to behave in these situations and then my character becomes my character in the game becomes that sort of example that case study on on how how to play that out um one one character in particular that that i can recall doing this with was uh, my character in vampire the masquerade he's a he's a bruja he was embraced in the 1920s he was a member of al capone's gang Okay. He may or may not be the reason Al Capone is dead. Okay. <laughs> he he that that he will neither confirm nor deny this. Um uh, but his his name is Jimmy Nardello and he is a he's he's trying to come to terms with the fact that he's gay. Okay. And so he because he comes from that early 1920s mindset. I mean he was born like 1897 so he's coming from that catholic upbringing mindset of like yeah (laughs) and so so he's got a lot of self self self-loathing in there and and a lot of you know he expresses it with anger which plays into his bruja you know clan and and just and i'm i'm really really disappointed that that game didn't really take off for more than about three sessions because right. I was really oh. looking forward to trying to dive into that. Jimmy was a really fun character. I Jimmy him. was a fun character. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that brings us to the end of our interview portion. Um, one of the things that we like to do with our guests, one of our favorite parts of our interview episodes is our monster mashup. Yes. Where we roll some dice on this random table and then collaboratively create a monster. So Declan, are you ready and willing to undertake this endeavor? Yeah, this is the thing I was probably most nervous about. Yeah, but let's get far ahead. <laughs> All right. So let, let's go ahead and get started um, and give us a D4 roll for locomotion. How does this thing move around? Uh, that's a three. A three. It burrows. Okay. Gross. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, next up is a D6 roll for what does it eat? Oh. That's a one. A one. Inorganic material. Okay. Okay. okay I'm, so, I'm... Dirt. Uh, metal. Wars, yeah. Rocks. Plastics. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you want to, if you want to go, you know, a little more, a little more fantasy sci-fi. Yeah, we can definitely go that direction too. Yeah, we can. We can get some science fantasy going in here. Uh, um, this this is going to really help us start fleshing this out. Uh, next is a D eight roll for size. Okay. Okay, that's a six. A six. It's huge. Oh. Okay. Okay. I'm feeling this one so far. We're, we're, yeah. we're coming along the lines again, seeing some graboids. Maybe so, so, so far, so far we've got a Delver. Yeah. <laughs> um, or a Zorn, maybe an, an oversized Zorn. Uh, 
but we, we need to we need to get away from from actual creatures because <laughs> we're we're coming up with something. Okay, next is going to be another D eight roll for social organization, and that's another six. Another six, uh, gang. So eleven to twenty five individuals. Okay. I'm seeing what was it the the dig duo the Pokemon Doug Trio oh Doug, Doug Trio. Trio yeah there we go <laughs> those things are gonna be huge because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, huge that's like ten to fifteen feet tall yeah. well I mean they eat well what can I say <laughs> oh, well okay, fed. Yeah. okay but yeah and and that that would play in because I mean there are lots of fan theories that. You know, what you see is only a small portion of the actual creature. Yes. Just what, whatever it happens to stick up out of the ground. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, next up, we're going to do a D10 roll for its native environment. Okay. Uh, okay, that was cocked. Uh, a three. A three? Uh, can you give me another roll and tell me even or odd? Uh... Even. Even. So it is freshwater coastal. Oh. Okay. Kind of seeing like, uh, you know, like those. It's definitely obviously kind of close to the riverbed. Probably like large, large, like worm like creature at this stage. Yeah. I don't know where I'm going with uh, picking off the what what's flowing out into the sea. Uh, like the the flotsam and uh, from the woods and stuff like that. A giant clam. Yes. Okay. Because they do they do burrow. They got that like little the foot appendage that can yes. come out, kind of yeah. swoop and, and yeah, sweep the okay. beach. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm 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 almost seeing this as being another one of those magically or genetically engineered creatures. Okay. You know, something that has been modified for a purpose. We're staying away from the vampire fish. <laughs> um, yes, we, we've already done that one. Yeah, we're staying uh, far away from that one. <laughs> yeah. We'll see, we'll see. <laughs> All right, next up is a D12 roll for method of defense. Oh, this will be fun. That's a one. A one? Pincers slash claws. Oh no! This is this is working out perfect. I this love is it. yeah yeah. We've got like freshwater kind of like crab thing going on here. Okay, all working so, a little colony. So here's what I'm thinking right now. You got this colony. These things, they live by clearing off shipwrecks. Yes, and a lot of people might mistake them for like you know the the like large rocks at the edge of a oh, waterline. Yeah, but they're actually these creatures that. Um, sitting there waiting for uh, flotsam or large parts of dilapidated right. or broken ships. Is it the mud crabs from Fallout? Where they sit there uh, on the no, beach and they uh, look the, like a rock and they get uh, up and they... Mirelurks. Mirelurks, there we go, yes. Mud crabs are from Melter Scrolls. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Well, they're the same creature, just different name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a different stage, different, different, different evolutionary stages. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because, because we all know that the Elder Scrolls and Fallout are in the same universe. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Just with just a few millennia apart. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Next up is a D20 roll for quirks. Okay. And that's a 12. 12. Uh, Dodecachromats. So mantis shrimp eyes. 
uh, allows it to see into extra spectra, including magical auras, see-through invisibility, etc. Again, I'm liking these particularly if they're looking for like a magical treasure off these shipwrecks. Maybe that's a preferred food or something they eat to incorporate into their anatomy somehow. Did it we just like make the giant thing. crab from Moana? Yeah, we're, we're working that direction, yeah, because <laughs> yes. he's shiny. Yeah. I it, love it. Yeah, and they, fought, they they might fight over the shiniest bits and pieces. Uh, yes, yeah. Who wants to be a demigod when you can be a decapod? <laughs> <laughs> right, okay. I'm for it. I am for it. Okay, so now we're going to make it weird. Okay. Uh, so give me a D100 roll. Okie dokie. Okay, that's 46. 46. We've got... Oh, we've had this one once before. Bite causes agony on top of normal damage. Yeah, I could... Okay, yeah. It's probably from chomping on all that, like, you know, that rotting material, definitely. Yeah. Oh, yeah, like it causes some sort of sepsis or something like yes, that? Yes, instant gangrene. Oh, oh and, my. And, and then uh, on top of it, because they are, because they're, I'm, I'm assuming, based on where our conversation is going, it is uh, feeding on, like, magic items. Yes. So, it, it's, so its bite actually becomes magical. Oh, yeah. So so its natural weapons are magical because they're infused with the magic of the items that it's been eating? That yeah, and it's, all, it's, it's just this yeah. maelstrom of magic. It's not even like one particular like school or form or type. It's just this weird, it's like, weird... It's like every time every time it bites a living creature, there's a wild magic surge. Yes. Oh, that'd be oh awesome. that would be oh. cool. Yes. Oh, well done. Oh, right. well done. So James, do you want to do the second D100 roll or do you want me to? I'll let you go ahead and roll it. All right. So, because we really like to mess things up, weird um, is not weird enough. We need super weird. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was hoping for eleven, but I got eighty three. Eleven would have been uh, biologically immortal. Oh, um, that would have been but this, but this is actually even better. Oh my! Um, number eighty three never dies of old age; just keeps getting bigger. We totally made the crab from Moana. We did it. <laughs> we did it. Yes. <laughs> but there's a gang of them. There's about 25 of them. Yeah, no, I love it. Yeah, there's 11 to 25 of them, so. Ugh. Yeah, I, I'm oh, liking right. the shipwreck thing, or maybe if there's like a, a wizard's tower or a wizard's school nearby that's like living on the yes. coast, and so they're like constantly trying to encroach. Because they're attracted to the magic items, and so they're kind of maybe, maybe slightly invasive. It could be like, oh, and actually, these might find their way into the thing that I'm working on. Uh, we do have a we do have an island in the world of Arcanum for Romance in the Dungeon, where it's a it's a <laughs> it is actually a wizard's university. Thank you, Strixhaven. Um, but <laughs> again, it's, it's 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 a city where a lot of magic users come to trade and learn, and so on and so forth. So I love this idea of. Maybe it's even trading ships that they attack trade oh. ships that are coming because they're like, oh, trade ships. There's definitely magical items of that. Let's go get them. Um, and maybe the maybe the local wizards are also using them for defense as well. Oh, that'd be uh, kind of awesome, yeah. It could be a kind I of mean, to protect their islands. And either I, that and or I can... if there was like a rival school, you could airdrop a bunch of these to like just put them on a bunch <laughs> yes. of oh. It's kind of like, oh my. <laughs> yeah. And um, I, can, I can also see 
because the island is, you know, a a hub for magical education is also going to be a hub for magic item creation. And mm-hmm. so they're going to be exporting magic items, which further goes to the whole, they attack the ships to feed on that. So right. I'm, I'm now seeing a, a thriving business in lead lined chests. Okay. Because the lead lined chest is going to block that magical aura. So it is going to be almost required for you to be able to transport these magic items that you have lead lined containers to store them in or otherwise your ship is going to be literally ripped asunder (laughs) as you are trying to (laughs) leave the island i love it i also like the idea of maybe someone you know trying to catch a juvenile one of these so they're not quite huge yet and they like the college prank and like sneaking this into the professor's room because again agony on bite so you know just like surprise angry shiny crab i'll tell you to film me next time this is what you get (laughs) i I love the idea that it was probably some like apprentice second yes. or third year who flushed something <laughs> down like the toilet and was like, ah, that's that done nothing bad ever comes of this and suddenly you've got your own version of alligators in the sewers except it's awesome. giant, yeah. giant crabs everybody gets crabs <laughs> oh my we were Speaking talking about romance dimension. right yeah <laughs> all right so um just to recap on what we got our our beastie burrows. It feeds on inorganic material. It is huge in size. Its organization is gangs of 11 to 25. Uh, it lives in freshwater coastal regions. Its main method of defense is pincers slash claws. Uh, it has didecochromats, so it can see into extra extra spectra of, of uh, light. Its bite causes agony on top of damage and it doesn't die of old age it just keeps getting bigger i love it so what are we going to call it oh so someone in in trat that's trat someone in chat who apparently knows you declan is calling it uh river crusts um i actually yeah river river cross is actually a really cool idea for it um because again it is that thing of their shells kind of looking a little bit you know crunchy a little crusty on top you know a little bit uh because they're not quite they're not quite proper crabs they're like a weird magical experiment type thing so maybe they look a bit crunchy a river crust yeah because it looks like it's floating on top yeah i like that i was thinking too with the amount of uh, magic items maybe they have like on the outer bit of shell they have like a bit of druzy like that really fine thin small crystal so it kind of gives it that that crunchy, semi-reflective, like a, a rime or a salt crust. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like it. I like it. All right. I think this is. I think this has been a success. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely kind of want to like drop these in on some people. Just, just like yes. surprise, <laughs> giant angry crab. <laughs> and if it sings, so much the better. <laughs> what can I say except you're welcome. <laughs> Okay. We get it. My job here is done. I'm at bite. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last last thing uh, we we ask of our guests is to uh, provide a plug for someone else in the community. It can be another content creator, another podcaster, map maker, music maker, just whoever. Who would you like to give a shout out to today? 
Oh, actually, I lied. This is the hardest part. Um, <laughs> uh, but because there, I, I've been very, very lucky. I've, I've had a chance to meet so many wonderful people uh, through the TGRPG stuff, like on an international level. Thank you, thank you, the internet. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to stick a little bit closer to home, uh, if that's okay, uh, okay, because there's another wonderful uh, Irish group uh, called Homebrew Quest, and. Um, they're an absolutely wonderful team of players led by a phenomenal uh, dungeon master called Ben. And they stream every second Tuesday. So their next episode is coming up, I think it's this Tuesday. Oh, and at around 7 p.m., 7.30 p.m. Irish time. And uh, Homebrew Quest are, again, wonderful story steeped in Irish mythology and Celtic folklore. Ooh with a little twist where they have a couple of uh, beverages on stream. So it's over on YouTube. You can check them out there. And the the beers they bring to the game uh, can cause effects in-game. So if the if the IPA, IPA you're drinking is called, you know, Witch's Teeth, well, you might find yourself with a bunch of Witch's Teeth that you can use for a spell. Or uh, they've... Ben is a phenomenal, phenomenal dungeon master, and it's a wonderful story that they're pulling together. Uh, so I would love if everyone could go and check out Homebrew Quest. That sounds like a lot of fun. Do you, do you know if they have a Twitter handle? I, uh, Homebrew. Uh, I think it's just at Homebrew Quest. Uh, I think off the top of my head. Um, but if you, if again, if you just search on Twitter, uh, Homebrew Quest, they come up there. It's a really, really colorful logo. Uh, okay. And uh, and I'll I'll double check that and include it in the show notes whenever this comes out as podcast. Brilliant. All right. Last thing for today. Tell us about where we can find you and your projects. Okay. Um, so you can find me personally uh, uh, at Declan DDY on uh, Twitter. Um, but would love if you would go and check out at D Eight Dungeon. Uh, that's that's our handle on nearly all social media platforms. And currently we have two productions going. We have Romance in the Dungeon, which we've been talking about uh, today. And the other project we have is a Twitch stream um, called Rise of the Forsaken. And again, it's me. So I'm not just playing d and I'm talking about where it's very much steeped in the idea of family and a group of siblings who are trying to figure out what the world is and why they're there. Um, so we have those two things going at the moment, and we have a couple of more things uh, uh, in the making, including uh, two new streams that we're hoping to have up and running very, very soon. And we have a lot of plans for 2022. So we'll see um, how, how they go out. So thank you so much. That was uh, I've had such a blast. It's been so much fun to talk about this stuff. Yeah, it's been okay. a lot. I've really enjoyed it. So thank you again for joining us. It's been really, really good. Yes, thank, thank you so very much for joining us today. And thank you to the three people who joined us in in watching the live stream and joined us in chat. Yes, welcome. Um, thank you, guys. If you have any comments, suggestions, or ideas, you can send us an email under commentaste at gmail.com or send us a direct message through our Twitter account at UCT Homebrew. Uh, we are also on Instagram, Facebook at under common taste. We're on Patreon, patreon.com slash under common taste. That's where we put all of our write-ups. That's where we're going to be putting this river crust write-up once I get it written up. <laughs> um, it will come out the Monday after the podcast. So the podcast is going to come out on Wednesday, the, this upcoming Wednesday, the 16th. So it will come out the Monday after that. Uh, so keep keep your eyes peeled for that. 
Um, if you want to help support the show financially, please consider coming over and becoming a patron. We're also on Discord. You can find a link to our Discord in our show notes. And we will be coming up in through the month of March. We are going to be doing a March Madness sort of bracket thing where we are pitting all of the strongest monsters of D&D against one another until one comes out on top. We figured um, if sports could still, you know, our tabletop fantasy and make fantasy sports, then, then we're still in their brackets and, and just, you know, turnabouts fair play. <laughs> so, so we have the 31 unique monsters that are CR 25 plus, plus one of our own homebrew monsters because we needed it just more. worked out that way. <laughs> um, and we're just going to funnel it down and see where it goes. We're going to talk about that next week. In next week's episode, we're going to go over what rules we're using. We'll probably do one of the in one of the initial fights on on the on the podcast next week. And we're going to be putting up uh, our brackets next week as well so that you can fill out a bracket and we're going to try and get a little giveaway organized so that whoever comes out with the best bracket at the end will get a little something special. Yeah. Um, also later on, if you want to share this particular interview, because the people do love the visual medium, we are posting our interviews on YouTube as well as our streams also after. So uh, you can join us on YouTube. Again, we're on Twitch as well. You can find our podcast if you've enjoyed, if you've seen this and enjoyed and want to watch our podcast, whatever podcatcher you use, we're on Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, Spotify, um, just under Common Taste, you can find us there. As always, please give us a rate and review. It helps increase our visibility and lets us know what you want to hear more of. And thank you, everyone, for joining us. Thank you, Declan, for being our wonderful guest today. Yeah, it's been wonderful to have you. No, no, thank you so much, Jenny. We had a, had a blast. <laughs> And stay safe, everyone. We'll see you next week. Happy gaming. Thank you for listening to another episode of Undercommon Taste. You can find links to all of our social media accounts, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch, as well as our Patreon and Discord channel in the show notes. Our theme song is Massacre Anne, written and performed by Mary Crowell and used with permission. You can find more of her work at marycrowell.bandcamp.com or on Patreon at patreon.com slash drmarycrowell. Our logo was illustrated by David Sutherland. You can find him on Instagram at willex underscore 73 or on DeviantArt at deviantart.com slash davidsutherland. Thanks again for listening. Stay safe. We'll see you again next week.